0: Good evening. Welcome again to another night of Bible School. We're um, excited. I'm excited for to what we can hear tonight from um, Lowell and from the different other speakers. Lavelle will be speaking um, from his perspective on a single and what he can be involved with in the church. And Daniel Kaufman will continue his topic on um, the powerful influence of music. There will be an offering um, tomorrow night for the speakers uh, make your checks payable to Weavertown Ministries and Lavella's class will be here in the basement Daniel's class will be over in his 7th grade classroom just be careful again um, when you cross the street in this dark so yeah be careful I think that's all that I have let's bow our heads for prayer our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have to worship you. Thank you that we can come together like this, study your word. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you, Lord, for the different um, aspects of it and and the way that um, we can be involved. And I pray, God, for um, Daniel, Lavelle, and Lowell tonight as they speak. Guide and direct them, bless them, give them the words to speak. I pray, God, that you would be honored and glorified tonight. I pray you just open our hearts and that we would listen with open hearts. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lowell.
1: Good evening, everyone. It's good to be back here. Again with you and see how many of you have braved it to come out on a weekday evening and uh, I trust that we can be blessed together as as we've gathered. Who can tell me what Matthew 16 verse 18 says? Especially the last half that we are, uh, the first half is a little confusing sometimes. Jesus was conversing with Peter and what did he say? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, shall not prevail against it. You know, I think I used to be a little bit confused about that. <clears throat> you know, the gates of hell, you know, we're kind of in this battle and, you know, who knows how it's going to turn out. But, uh, you know, if we hang in there, we're going to be able to to somehow survive and be victorious in the end or whatever. But you look at the the words that Jesus chose and he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think I was picturing that, you know, the devil's coming at us with some weapons. Can you imagine him wielding gates and, you know, coming after it? It doesn't make sense. As As I was looking at that, analyzing it, you know, gates are to keep someone out. And I think what Jesus is saying, that the church will triumph, The church will penetrate the territories of Satan and be victorious and breach those gates that are trying to hold us out. And that's kind of an interesting concept. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevent the advent of his church. It's wonderful. Last evening we we spoke of the church as a body. This evening we want to look at the church as a well-built building. The scriptures, again, refer a lot to God's people or or as a building, there's different places we could go for scriptures. I plan to be looking at 1 Corinthians 3 this evening, especially, and probably make some references to a few other scriptures as well. The the well-built building, when we were in Nicaragua, uh, we experienced, there were several Uh, earthquakes that happened during the time that we were in in Nicaragua. Close to the town of Masaya was a village of La Cevita. There was a small Brethren in Christ Church in that area. La Cevita was hard hit by the earthquake. It was probably close to the epicenter. It wasn't a a deep uh, earthquake or a real strong one. The home of the pastor was destroyed. The house was basically a pile of rubble, and in that pile of rubble lay the body of his small grandson. He was killed. The house collapsed on him. There was a lot of grief and sadness in that home. The child's mother was injured. The child was dead. The house was in shambles. There were many other houses in that area, Many of the houses had damage, as I recall. I think they were having special meetings in the church, and the church building was still standing, but there was a lot of cracks in the the joints, the mortar, and that kind of thing. You know, the pastor's house could easily have been built to withstand an earthquake of the magnitude that they just had. But it wasn't, and it collapsed. There was loss of life, there was grief. You know, Nicaragua is in an earthquake zone. Devastating earthquakes aren't that uncommon. With proper precautions, a building in that type of a place can be built to withstand almost any kind of earthquake damage. You know, I assume this man was responsible, or he may well have been responsible for the building of his own house. I don't know that for a fact, but that would have been common. And I can imagine the contemplation, the shame, the pain and the hurt to realize that had I built this house better, that house could still be standing and my four-year-old grandson could still be running around. My daughter would not have been injured. Spiritually, we're all involved in some way in the building of of Christ's Church. And the Bible talks about, in the passage that we want to look at, about a time of trial on ahead that will reveal what kind of construction you had in your churches. Today, or this evening, we want to look at the, the church of Jesus Christ as a building. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, shall not prevail against it. <coughs> I don't want to confuse you this evening in this metaphor, though we're talking about a building, and churches are often referred to as buildings, or buildings are referred to as churches, but we're talking about this congregation of believers, this ecclesia. We're not talking about this structure that's up a bit above on the, uh, on the second story, the first story. <clears throat> I'm going to just move the chair over here. Okay, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can open them to 1 Corinthians 9, or 3, and I want to read verse nine, verses 9 through 17. Maybe at the outset I want to talk, uh, I want to be focusing in this first part specifically on verse 11. Uh, how many of you know what Menno Simons' theme verse was? Now that I've told you, tell me. Yeah, either one. Go ahead, Norman. 1 Corinthians 3.11. How how many of you have been at Whitmarsim and seen that monument there with that verse there on the bottom? Okay. Uh, very well. A, a monument for Menno Simons with this theme verse there uh, imprinted on it. I will... Uh, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But let me begin at verse 9 and read through this passage. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, if you have your Bibles open, let's say it together. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are." What is the foundation in this building we're building? Who is the foundation? Jesus Christ is the foundation. Without a proper foundation, there cannot be a good building. The Apostle Paul here, I think, in this letter to the Corinthians was explaining, now the foundation has already been taken care of. That that part has been resolved. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, if a building is to stand the test of time, it needs to have a good foundation. You know, a building, it's not always readily apparent from the outside if a building has a good foundation or not. We lived in an old house. I mean, older house, we out there in the plains of Kansas. It was probably the first stages built a little before the start of the 20th century. And... Uh, <clears throat> We were having some serious issues with the foundation, with things going on underneath the house, and it wasn't necessarily uh, readily apparent, but it was something that uh, should have been addressed. And then about uh, 10 years ago, we did a major remodel and a revamping. We actually jacked up the house and excavated a basement under the part that wasn't and put in, you know, uh, eight-inch uh, walls or whatever. Uh, if a building is, and I'm not scared now to live in that house, I and mean, I wasn't too much anyway before that, but uh, uh, if you're going to have a building that stands the test of time, it needs to have a good foundation. In my line of work, it's not that unusual to get out and to see a building, and, and uh, maybe I remember one barn that I was looking at, oh, maybe 50 miles from home, I'm not sure. The building was listing about like this and he had spent and put a new roof on the building. Uh, Actually, Mark, I think your father had put the roof on that building for him up north of McPherson somewhere. But uh, there was a tremendous issue with where this thing was fastened to the foundation and and it was gonna take an awfully lot to get that building back in place and to get it fastened on. I didn't give the man too much hope. It looked like a, a pretty serious project. I don't know what happened to it, but I'm assuming another windstorm or two, and that thing would have been kind of, uh, you know, where you could have worked on the roof without ladders or something. (laughs) (laughs) There are many, some brands of religion that look very impressive from the outside. They may be centered on good principles, noble principles, principles of tolerance and acceptance, peace and love and embracing of all, But they can stop short of being founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. A series of circumstances has led us to a uh, uh, Baha'i couple in Wichita. And uh, we've kind of struck up a friendship with them. And I think that especially the lady who is a uh, Persian background person uh, sees in us uh, some commonality, I don't know, here's some other ethnic group that is probably just a little out of sync with the rest of the world, and uh, and uh, they've been uh, very, I mean, I think they consider us very close friends, and we are, we are trying to leverage those kinds of contacts. Uh, one of the things they're doing in their retirement is going on cruises, and uh, This lady was quite sure that we should be joining them for a cruise. We haven't worked out those details yet, but anyway. Uh, Baha'is, very accepting, very loving, very open, very non-confrontive maybe, but stopping short of naming Jesus Christ as the true foundation there's other people. I attended a universalist church. I mean, I visited a universalist church, and there was something just almost spooky about that. People that are lifting up this big package of nothing almost, it feels like. It's, 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 uh, it's complicated. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We must base our life and our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, for he alone is worthy. <clears throat> Matthew 21, I want to read a few verses there. Jesus said unto them, <clears throat> Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Talking about this stone, And whomsoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You know, an encounter with Jesus Christ is often a life-defining moment, a life-changing moment. Uh, we have a choice when we encounter Jesus Christ, what we will do with Him. And it sounds like in this case, to fall on Him in brokenness is a redemptive process. But to wait until you have that stone fall on you in judgment is, is a is a fearful process. <clears throat> We encounter many forks in the road as we go along. Here in Lancaster, you have a a fair number of literal forks in the road. In Kansas, we have our roads running a mile apart, and they're kind of predictable and, uh, and whatever, but you have a lot of forks in the road. In our spiritual journeys, we encounter a lot of forks in the road, and we can choose whether we go to the right or to the left. Both of these choices... In the journey of life, carry with them consequences. In the Bible, we have Lot, who chose the good land next to Sodom. And it came with a whole package of consequences. I think of Joshua, who declared him and his family's allegiance. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God can bless that kind of a decision. I think of Moses, who rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, he chose to suffer with the people of God. And my, he had a tough lot in life. Those obstinate, those hard-headed people that he was trying to lead. And uh, it it was a very difficult decision. But he chose that route, and God blessed him. Many times we're faced with decisions. Sometimes those decisions demand our personal voice, our personal choice. And there's times when we make those decisions only by default and inactivity. Those decisions become made for us. Our inaction becomes our decision. The turning of that steering wheel is in our hands but the consequences of that turn are determined by the almighty hand of God. The rich young ruler came to Jesus wondering what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus told him to sell what he had and give to the poor and then he would have treasure in heaven. The young man went away grieved for he had great possessions. There was an encounter with Jesus. There was a decision to be made, and the young man didn't want to pay the price. In Acts 8, we have the story of another man who had Jesus presented to him. The Ethiopian was going down on that road from between Jerusalem and Gaza. Philip came in that marvelous, spirit directed way and was able to clarify to him the way of Christ. The way of the Messiah his eyes were open and he requested baptism was baptized on his confession of faith an encounter with jesus is a defining moment we have the choice to fall on that stone that stone which the builders rejected that chief cornerstone and to be broken and to be useful in his kingdom and in his service or well, we can wait until that stone falls and grinds us to powder uh second point the building materials must be strong do you have any earthquakes in here in pennsylvania at all Tornadoes. you have some tornadoes okay we'll talk about tornadoes just a little bit later maybe uh we've actually been having a few earthquakes out there in kansas probably once you hear you know the the stuff the walls are creaking a little bit or maybe there's something rattling in the cupboards or whatever and uh I don't know for sure what all uh, are, are, the poss- are the reasons for it. They're not real major, but uh, how many of you have been in an earthquake of any kind? Okay, quite a few of you. Where have you been in earthquakes? Belize? Yeah. Here? Okay, you felt some? Here? Okay. A really good earthquake is one of the most unsettling things that there can be. You know, you're in a scary car ride, and boy, that thing finally settles down, and you can step out, and you're on solid ground. Or you're on a boat on the sea or something, and uh, man, this is really pretty shaky, but you pull up to the dock, and now you can finally sort of get your bearings again. When the earth is shaking, you can step out of whatever you are, and it's still shaking, (laughs) and it's not a good experience. Well... If you were living in an earthquake zone, there are precautions that you can take that you can prevent almost any kind of, of damage from happening to your to your building. Uh, did you observe building in Haiti? You were in Haiti a while, no? You weren't in Haiti, okay. How's that? Just a visit. Just a visit, okay. Uh, okay, yeah. Did you observe any building in Haiti when they were... Did they do a lot of rebar cages, and uh, columns, and beams, and stuff that were really tied together? Yeah, if they had the money to do so. If they, okay, <laughs> right. Uh, when we lived in Nicaragua, we were able to watch them build the house that we ended up living in, and there was a tremendous amount of effort gone too, to build a, and they dug a, a hole, I think, about a meter by a meter by a meter deep. and. A lot of rebar, and then coming up out of that rebar were these uh, rebar cages, these columns that went, and then there was these beams that went sideways like at about ground level and underneath the windows. And there was just a lot of effort given to get a superstructure that would be in there that would hold in and would be solid if that uh, building was ever hit with an earthquake. It's possible, even in zones where there's tremendous earthquakes, to build buildings and skyscrapers that can still be standing after the fact. <clears throat> well, buildings can be built that way, and it is certainly in the interest of the person who's building the buildings to, that, that wants to live in there to see that the buildings are built that way. People who are living in places like Bangladesh in buildings that they don't know if are safe or not, and they're living under three, four, five layers of concrete floors if you're given to fear, you don't want to really spend a lot of time contemplating not just what would happen if this would, would be hit with a hard earthquake. It wouldn't be a pretty picture necessarily. If you're living in that kind of a zone, it's important that you build, build well. The church is in an earthquake zone. We're all in an earthquake zone. And it's important in this spiritual building that we're building that it's well built. There's a type of construction that we use here that is used here some uh, mobile homes, manufactured homes. Someone was saying that you have some tornadoes here. We, uh, I don't know if we're officially in Tornado Alley, but tornadoes aren't an unusual thing necessarily where, where I'm from. You know, if there's a tornado in the area and it's bearing down, people aren't usually just thinking, man, can I make it to Sister Matilda's trailer house, or am I going to just chance it here in the basement? (laughs) That's not usually the way people reason, the way people think. The materials in manufactured houses are often a bit inferior. They're not... uh, They're not, the buildings aren't necessarily that well built, and uh, they're not a good place to be if there's a tornado bearing down. We had friends in Texas, uh, the Kimberlands, and their house, it was a manufactured home, I believe, was destroyed by a tornado, and it was interesting hearing Melinda tell of how that experience was. It apparently caught them a bit off guard, and all at once there was this noise and these things going on, and chaos and whatever. She woke up under a pile of stuff, or or, I don't know if she was conscious the whole time or not. I don't remember, did she get insulation in her mouth or what, but it was like she couldn't orient, and she realized she was basically buried. How is she going to let anyone know where she is? What's she going to do? And she discovered after a bit uh, that Her one leg was free and there she was waving that leg and eventually her husband was able to see there's something moving over there and coming, you know, to try to get her out and to try to help her to to freedom. Shortcuts in building will result in an inferior structure. This past week, we were working on a uh, on kind of an outbuilding at an abandoned farmstead, and it was something that apparently the owner was a very conservative man. It looked like the mortar that he used between the blocks was was uh, not particularly rich. the uh, The building wasn't that well built, and it was barely worth fixing. But it was something that was in the family for this man we were working for, and I think he wanted to just preserve it, kind of for nostalgia and Sentimental value. But that building had suffered enough damage, some of the blocks had even worked loose. And before we were going back to put this new roof on, we spent some time with, uh, with fresh mortar, with rich mortar, and, uh, and uh, building this thing back up so it would be worthy of a, <clears throat> of a new roof. Too much sand in the cement mix makes for weak concrete. Not enough rebar in the building there in La Cevita. Made it so that building could come down. What are shortcuts in the building, in the church, in North America? I want your input. I think you've had a hard day. What are the kinds of things that water down the gospel or the, the, the church experience? Lack of, Lack of repentance. Who said that? Okay, they're in the back. Okay, very good, very good. What else? Easy believism, Easy believism exactly. Okay. Complacency. Okay. Yeah. Good. Not spending time in the Word of God. Not time in the Word of God. Okay. So what? so what? So what? Okay. Indifference. Okay. Good. Not being involved. Not being involved. Not being involved. Yeah. Busy lives. Busy lives. Okay. Great. Keep coming. Bad theology. Okay. That's, uh, that's that's a big, wide uh, subject there. Uh, care to elaborate? Lack of commitment. Do what? Lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. There's many things, many things that I think are the cheap and the inferior building materials. Maybe it's cheap grace. Who was saying easy believism? I think that would be a be a similar uh, concept. I remember talking to a pastor some time ago. This was in another country. He was talking. I knew he had just started a new work. And well, how's it going, brother? How's the, how's the work going? Oh, praise the Lord. I have probably I have I 30 or 40 members or something like that. And I was thinking, whoa, this is pretty quick. He was going for like six months there. The church he was working for, you, you got to be an official church when you got so many members. And I kind of... Uh, was wondering with what materials he was building his church, but uh, that was another question. Work salvation, it can be, if I do everything just right, then I'll be fine. Hypocrisy, uh, I don't remember where all some of the things were that you people were bringing in, but uh, on the outside, everything may appear just right, but on the inside, it may not be. I remember termites in Central America, they worked inside a a wooden piece and that piece could look almost perfect on the outside and you tapped it and it was hollow and inside it was just like crumbled crackers. Those little termites went in there and just had a heyday. On the outside everything may appear well built but on the inside it's a mobile home without any foundation at all. Phariseeism, I'm better than so and so and because of that I'm all right. We're influenced, I think, some by Protestant theology, uh, who was it was talking about, uh, about theology. We can be the prosperity gospel, the crown without the cross, maturity without discipline, power without pain, wealth without work. Maybe it's something, I don't know if it's a little closer to home or not, but church pride, we've got everything down right here. We don't have any problems. We're who everybody else should be like. <laughs> we're satisfied and we have need of nothing reminiscent to the uh, feelings of the seventh church in the book of Revelation so let's not stay there what are building materials that will stand the test of time who said about uh, lack of repentance or whatever back there yeah uh, thank you, Joseph. Repentance. What was uh, John the Baptist's message? Repent. What was Jesus' message? Repent. And then at Pentecost, what was Peter's message? Repent. A recurring theme. Repentance. Repent and believe. True repentance, I think, is something that is, that is difficult for us to overstate. It is so easy to have a type of believism that costs us nothing. And uh, repentance is something that runs counter, runs crossways with our will. Counter to our will. <clears throat> Peter talks of living stones. To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of man, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones are build up, a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Right theology, salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, for ye are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Going on, that might have been 9 and 10, I'm not sure. Repentance unto salvation. John's message, Christ's message, Peter's message. Acceptance of Christ's mercy. In the book uh, Titus, the letter to Titus, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. It's not something that I've deserved, but something that in mercy he extended to me. Those who are united in goals with Christ's kingdom. Third point, the overall building is a sum of all its parts. Without a good foundation, the building stands no chance. Our church must be built on the foundation that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How is the roof supported upstairs? What supports the roof? What's the roof resting on? On the walls. What are the walls resting on? The foundation, or it might be west, resting on the floor, and the floor down on the foundation. I'm assuming this goes on, is this the outside edge of the building upstairs? All of that is connected, it's, it's one and the other and the other. Uh, the overall building is the sum of its part, of its different parts. How is the roof supported? The roof is supported by the rafters, the rafters by the walls, the walls by the foundation. The walls are held together. Is this a wood frame building or is it a block up above? Brick. It's brick on the outside, but is there is there walls on the inside or is it block? I mean, is there is there stud walls on the inside or is it block? Is it stone? Okay, yeah, interesting. That's that's good. So that's uh, that's that's a good type of construction. I just I, I couldn't tell from and uh, the Weavertown Church. It was. It was when, early, uh, early 20th, or early, uh, yeah, earliest tw- early 20th century? Yeah, no, I think I, uh, where is Aaron Lapp? Is he here this evening? What? Nineteen nine. 1909. okay, and it was a while before the Weaver Town, before you people started using that, uh, using the building, yeah. Interesting. <coughs> okay, okay. Uh, each part of the building has its function. I would like to spend time with a section here, and I'm going to treat it very briefly. But uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we talk about five ministry ministry gifts there. Can some of you pastors or anyone help me there? And he gave some apostles, prophets, teachers, one before that, but that's fine. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers, there we go. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Apostles, the called out ones, the send out ones. In many cases, in, in, the, in the first uh, part, they were people who were actual eyewitnesses of Jesus, and they had they had a special commission. Uh, prophets, we think of a prophet as someone who's being able to foretell events, but I think often a prophet is one who is being be able to foretell, to tell truth. I don't think this thing's built on a good foundation. <laughs> Just set it down, Michael. I don't think I'm going to be using it tonight. Okay. Evangelists, those who are given a special call or have a special gifting in, in, in calling people to salvation. The pastors, the people who, are, who have this uh, care and this concern for their flock. Uh, there's something I really liked in the Spanish language, the word pastor and shepherd is, is essentially the same word. In, in uh, Psalm 23, heo es mi pastor. The Lord is my shepherd. And it's like that same concept of the, the shepherd and the pastor taking care of uh, care of the sheep. It's beautiful. And then it's the, uh, the teachers. <clears throat> the function of the teacher is similar to the function of the, some of the other functions, but the job of the teacher is to explain truth, to enable others to understand. Many of us are familiar with Bible truths, but an effective teacher can explain them in ways that ah, that makes sense. When he's preaching, I can understand what he's saying. It helps me to 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 grab the to grasp the concept of the uh, of the Scripture. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And for what were they given? Say it a little louder. Edifying of the church, okay. Work of the ministry, okay. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, or some, I think, would say for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You're bringing it together very well. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. <clears throat> you know, we tend to assign ranks to different parts of this body or this church that's working together. Stories told of the uh, pastor who was trying to minimize this stratification. He said, In our church, Everybody is equal, from the pastor all the way down to the janitor. (laughs) Uh, We need every part of the church. Every part of that building is important. The overall building is a sum of its parts, but it's in being united is where that building gets its strength. In Ephesians 4, in the earlier part of that same chapter, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You know, the church unites on basic doctrine there is one true Creator God, there is one enemy of our souls. There is one way that we can be delivered from that enemy of our souls. We unite on that basic doctrine. The church needs unity and goals. A strong church is diverse in its gifts, but united in its basic goals. You know, there's a lot of talk about worldview. What is your world view these days? And it's kind of, it was a catchphrase maybe of ten or fifteen years ago, but I think really it, it's a view that I mean it's it's a it's a term that, that is very helpful for us to to view because it is very basic to our successful building that we're building here. The world view, it can touch many areas of our life. A biblical worldview, our finances, our homes, our missions, our cars, our relation to the world, our relation to government, our relation to politics. In the church, you have a common foundation to build on when you share the same worldview. If you have a very divergent worldview, it's hard to build a cohesive and a united uh, building. That's just how it is. The church needs to stand together. Do you have pole barns here in uh, Pennsylvania? You're familiar with pull barns? Any of you build pull barns or have in the past? Back there, and is your name Bill? Okay, Bill has built pull barns in the past. Anyone else? You're familiar with the concept. Okay, over there. Yeah. Uh, so pole barns are basically uh, you do your structure, and the structure is is built around poles that are set. Did you set yours in concrete, or did you just tamp them deep, hard in dirt? You put concrete in afterwards. Concrete in afterwards. Okay, there's different different systems. Out there in Kansas, when we were building pole barns, we would we would put a concrete footing in the bottom typically, then we would usually tamp in. On a special occasions, we'd use Use concrete. Anyway, so let's say uh, we had a building with 20-foot sidewalls. Let's say 16-foot sidewalls. No, let's say 20-foot sidewalls. And we got a post. How deep would you bury your post back there? Four feet, give or take four feet. So you have a 16-foot sidewall, and you're going to bury this thing. Four feet in the ground. Okay. And on that big a building, we probably would have used a six by six rather than a four by six. Okay. They've gone a lot to laminated pools. Now, by the way, Amos worked with me on a crew way back in Kansas there. He might be coming to correct my story here pretty soon. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so we have this pole, and this pool is a six by six pole. Is that a fairly strong post? Yeah pretty stout post. Okay. Um, we have a 20-foot post. We buried it four feet in the ground, okay? How many of you think that post would be strong enough to support me on the top of that 16 feet in the air? One taker. Okay. How many of you would like to demonstrate that if we would create something like this in the parking lot after a bit? Go up on top. You'd like to? <laughs> okay. So you're going to go up on top. This pole is strong, and it's it's a six by six. That thing weighs maybe 200 pounds. It takes two or three men to shove it up if you're doing it by hand. You've got to tamped in solid. It's really good and, and good and stout. If I would be climbing up on a ladder on a pole 16 feet tall or maybe 20 feet tall, and there's that much exposed outside of the of the ground... I, it would be strong enough to hold me, but it would be very scary to be up on top of that post. It would be very, very scary to be up on top of that post. If you want to show me, we can maybe meet sometime this week, how you would do it. But when we take that post and we start tying it into the next post over on the bottom, and on here we run those two by six skirts across, we start pulling that thing together, and then especially toward the end, if we bring a, uh, an angle brace down from the top of this post and take it all the way down there and we catch it at the bottom of that next post over, and we do that on, several, on, on the two sides, if this is going to be a corner post, that gives that thing a tremendous amount of stability. By the time we slap that end rafter on there and we have that beveled purlin going on the side, uh, that thing is strong and it's solid and it wouldn't be that big a deal. You wouldn't be the only one that would dare stand up on top of that thing, maybe. But uh, what's the difference? It's the same post. It's the same strength. And, uh, the, and uh, what's the difference? Why would I dare do it after the fact, but it'd take him to do it before? It's support, but it is tied into the rest of that building. You know, in our churches, we can have people who are ever so strong. They can be those beautiful, wonderful six-by-six posts. Really strong. They can be the most gifted, the most talented people in that entire church. But they're not really of a whole lot of use to that building until they're willing to be tied into the rest of that building and work together. Strong six-by-six posts. You know... The leadership teams set a lot of the tone for the unity that happens in that church. I remember uh, there's a small Amish community not far from us, Yoder, Kansas, and they had have Yoder days most years. They didn't this past year. One year they had like a draft horse uh, pulling contest. And it was interesting to see some of those horses hadn't been worked enough or whatever, and one horse would maybe lunge into it about the time that he gave up, the other one would go, and they were kind of like that. And uh, it wasn't necessarily the strongest-looking teams, the most beautiful-looking teams that won the contest, but it was those teams that had learned to work together in step, under the directions of the master holding those reins. And they were the ones who won the contest. leadership teams can set the tone for the rest of your congregation. Today where are you as a church here at Weavertown? I think it's good periodically to take stock and to see where we are. What are goals that you have for this new year that we've just started? How is your building holding up? How is it looking? How are you working together? How are you integrated with the rest of the building? What are goals that you could set collectively and uh, personally for a church heading into 2021? You know, I was talking about the church being under attack. And I think the church in, in 2020, we faced a lot of unprecedented things. But I think if we were struggling in 2020, perish the thought of us facing real persecution, real troubled times. Those people in India, in China, some of those that are fighting for their faith, uh, we ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I want to close with Christ's words at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock." And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings the people were astonished at his doctrine. Christ is building his church, his church will triumph. We are invited to be a part of that triumphant church. This evening, I hope we can get a vision for in a new way be a part of those living stones that build, that construct, they're that in, that, in that building, plugged into, committed to the rest of the building, founded on the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not afraid of the gates and fires of hell god is building his church today god is building his church in lancaster county praise his name Thank you. go ahead